This is the Building Resilience Podcast, episode 159, Anchoring Safety, the Power of Context, Choice, and Connection. Welcome to Building Resilience, a podcast where theory, practical strategies, and inspiring stories show you how to unlock your best life. I'm your host, Leah Davidson. As a certified life coach, speech language pathologist, and nervous system resilience expert, it is my mission to teach you how to be more resilient to life's adversities. I will show you how to manage your mind, befriend your nervous system, process your emotions, and even eliminate stress. It's time to do more than just survive. It's time to thrive. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Building Resilience Podcast and Happy New Year to everybody. I hope that you enjoyed some nice downtime over the holidays. I know I certainly did. I also hope that you had some time to reflect on your past year and reflect on the year to come. No pressure on it, just some reflection. Now, I know some people may have set some New Year's resolutions. Some people are adamant that they do not want to set New Year's resolutions. And either way, it's totally fine. Sometimes we need goals because they help guide our direction. Sometimes people find goals to be a lot of pressure. I like to just listen with my heart. I like to have goals have something to focus on really. And this year, I really decided that my goal is to listen with my heart and my intuition and to be really open to feeling all the nudges that will guide me in the direction of what I'm going to be doing and putting out in the world. To really try to do things that align with my values. I want to create a community that is in service of each other, to allow myself just to be creative to say yes more often to opportunities that present themselves, even if they might be scary to me, and to say no to things that don't resonate with me, even if it means disappointing other people. I really want to focus on things that will help me reach my potential, to help you reach your potential. And that will probably include a lot of ups and downs and bumps in the road. This year, I also chose a word every year. I try to choose a word or a phrase or a concept of just something that can just remind me of how I felt when I was starting the year off, what my intentions were. And this year, my word is reach. And I think of it like reaching towards heaven, reaching further out of my comfort zone, reaching out to others who may need uh, support reaching for things that feel unreachable to me, reaching out to things and people that are in my immediate surroundings, but also reaching in different directions and different ways to build up a stronger, inviting, and more inclusive community. So really reaching for all things that light me up. I remember when I was in grade 11, my economics teacher wrote in my yearbook to reach for the stars. And all these years later, I still think about that. And I kind of feel this year, that's what my goal is, to do exactly that, to reach for the stars. And I'm not even sure what that's going to mean. I really want to just be guided by my heart, by my intuition, and to really be led to what I want to accomplish this year. So my goals aren't really specific. They're more general around that theme of reaching. But they feel pretty aligned to me for this stage in my life. 
So with all that ramble, you might think I'm going to talk about goals today, but I'm not. (laughs) I just figured that since it was the first episode of the year, I just wanted to share with you what I've been thinking of, what my intention is, and get you sort of stirring and thinking, what is your intention for the year? Today, though, I want to talk about, surprise, surprise, some things about the nervous system. I want to talk really about the three things that we all need in order for our nervous system to anchor in safety. One of my ongoing goals is to continue to learn how to befriend my nervous system, to build that resilience, to anchor in more safety, to grow my capacity for all the things that I want in life. And that's sort of the direction of as I'm reaching for things this year, I really need to grow my capacity to allow and embrace the things that I am inviting into my world. So we have specific things that we all need for our nervous systems to be anchored in safety. We need these elements for our well-being. And these three things is something that is discussed in the polyvagal theory, which is that modern neuroscience theory that attempts to explain the nervous system that I've talked about before. And if we do not have these three things, it can really throw off our quest to be anchored in safety with our nervous system. So I'm just going to share the three elements and then I'll go through each one specifically. The first one is context. The second one is choice. And the third one is connection. So there are three C's. So easy to remember, context, choice, and connection. Let's dive into each one at a time. So context is really when we understand the context of things, we can help our nervous system feel safe. Our nervous system is constantly trying to gather information about the how and the what and the why in order to understand and respond to experiences. So if you remember, we are constantly neurocepting. And we talked all about neuroception, I think it was on episode 125. So you may want to go back and listen to that. You know, we're kind of attuned to what is going on in our surroundings, what's going on inside you, what's going on relationally and socially. Well, we want to be attuned to those things. And we're getting cues of safety when we have explicit information. If we don't have explicit information, if we don't have context, we can end up relying on our past experiences and that can feel unsafe. And we can end up responding then with protection. So context is really something that influences tremendously our ability to regulate. So let me give you a few examples so you know what I'm talking about. So for example, if you're a coach like I am or a coach or a therapist, and one of your clients texts you to cancel their sessions for the next six weeks, they don't give you any explanation, no context. What can happen is you can start to feel insecure, like, oh no, is this something that I did? maybe wondering if they're upset at me. And then maybe you find out that they were just going out of town and that context will shift everything. So if we don't have the context, what can happen is we'll start making things up and what we make up can actually end up being worse and put us in a state of um, defensiveness. I know often many of my uh, clients who've experienced traumatic brain injuries, we have these discussions about whether or not they should share with people that they've had an injury. And I think it's completely up to them. But I do offer that when you don't provide enough information, and by no means am I saying you have to give people information, it's nobody's business, but it's something to consider. When people don't have context, they will rely on what they know, what they think, what their past experience is. They will make the judgments 
and they will make the determinations if they don't have context. So sometimes if you give them a little bit of context, you what you see is people will soften up, people will be more compassionate, people will be kinder. So often my clients will say, oh, I'm embarrassed because this happens or my memory is not so good and I end up feeling shame because I can't remember things. And I'll just say, well, if you give them a little bit of context, so I had this injury, this is one of my challenges. Often people will meet that context with compassion and love and acceptance. Now, again, by no means you have to do that, but it is something to consider that context really can be very important for us. So a couple of other examples. So you can imagine receiving a text and somebody says, like, we need to talk. Well, your mind may immediately jump to that worst case scenario. Now with context, if that message is followed by, you know, we need to talk about planning our weekend trip, well, the context shifts and suddenly it's not a crisis. I know just the other day, uh, one of my kids sent me a text and it said, call me. And right away, no context there. I was like, oh my gosh, call, what happened? But then a second later in brackets, not urgent. So the context changed. And I appreciated that because he knew, uh uh-oh, probably if I just say, call me, my mom's going to be wondering what's wrong. Is there something wrong? I better let her know that it's not urgent. So that context, it went from me going, what's happening to, okay, I'll call him whenever I get a free moment. Another example is in a work situation, like your boss may say, we need to discuss your performance. Well, your anxiety can kick in. You may fear the worst, but if there was context and they just added, you did a fantastic job on the project. Let's talk about future opportunities. Again, the context changed and you feel relief. If maybe you're driving in traffic and somebody cuts you off, you maybe get really angry and you think you're rude or careless. Well, with context, maybe if you knew they were rushing to the hospital or dealing with an emergency, your reaction might shift to understanding. And I always think of uh, a quote that I used to share with my kids all the time, and we used to joke about it when we were driving in traffic, was find explanations in charity. When you don't know the context, err on the side of being more compassionate and having more charity. So we used to joke that, oh, maybe when that person cut me off in traffic, find explanations in charity, they are racing to the hospital. So that's a, it's a funny one, but context changes things. Another example is a family member, maybe one of your kids or your partner, they're acting really distant. Maybe you wonder, did I do something wrong? Maybe they're upset with me. But later on, if you find out that they had a tough day at work, well, knowing this context changes your understanding and changes your reaction. Another example could be going out for lunch with somebody and maybe they order a salad and you're thinking, oh, they're being health conscious or maybe even become a little bit more judgmental thinking like, oh, here we go out to eat and they're ordering just a salad. Well, maybe the context is they had a huge breakfast or they're allergic to a lot of different things on the menu. These different contexts will provide you with a different perspective. And in these examples, context shapes your response. It's like turning on a light in a dark room. It helps you see the full picture and respond more appropriately. So we need this context to stay regulated and safe. You can really imagine your nervous system as like a super responsive musical instrument, like a finely tuned guitar or piano. So you know how musicians can tweak their notes to kind of fit the vibe of the song. 
Well, your nervous system does something similar. It fine tunes itself based on what's happening around you. It's reading the room and it's making adjustments. So just like musicians will adjust to different tunes, your nervous system is also on this constant dance, adapting to all the ups and downs of life. And it's pretty cool to think like it's your own personal soundtrack. It's changing its notes to match all the different experiences that you have. So Deb Dana, who is a great teacher of polyvagal theory, she captures it perfectly with the analogy that your nervous system is this musician, life is the concert, and you're always adjusting to play the right chords. So context matters. Context sets the stage for how the nervous system responds in the most nuanced way. Context essentially allows us to connect more objectively what is true in the here and now, rather than defaulting to a past response, which may be out of proportion to the present situation. So always be asking yourself, what is the context? Now, the next element is choice. We need choice in order to feel safe and regulated. Think how you feel when you feel trapped. When you feel trapped and without choice, your nervous system senses danger and it will trigger a survival response. And that's part of the reason why our language is so important. When we say things like, I have to, what choice do I have? When we are feeling trapped, we look for a way out. We will start to feel activated and that sympathetic energy kicks in, that anxiety or anger, or we can maybe feel our energy start to drain from us. Options give us safety. They help us to feel more powerful. Now, of course, too many options can also be overwhelming. So there's a sweet spot. It's that Goldilocks principle, not too big, not too small, just right. We need choice. We need options, but we also do need boundaries. So we want to consider that as well. We really can influence our ability to regulate our nervous system through conscious decision-making in response to experiences. We get to decide how we respond. And I think back to one of my favorite quotes by Viktor Frankl that I'm constantly quoting. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So our power lies in choice. We cannot control the weather. And I like to imagine it like we're sailing a sailboat. Now, in life, the water is unpredictable. It can be calm. It can be turbulent. But you are the captain. You are the navigator. You can navigate your boat. When you encounter these rough patches, you can steer your boat in a different direction to find a smoother path. You can decide to find shelter for the night. You can adjust your sails. You can turn your engine on or off. And you can turn back. You cannot set out. There's so many different things that you can do. But the power of choice is not about controlling the water or the weather. Both are completely beyond your control. It's all about how you navigate and respond to all the twists and the turns and the waves and the turbulence. You will 100% encounter storms and obstacles, but you'll also encounter beautiful scenery. It is your choices that are going to guide you through. Now, even in the unpredictability of all the open waters, you do have the agency in how you navigate and experience the journey. Now, with the nervous system, there are also things that you can consciously choose to do to help with regulation and resilience. You can have a daily routine that you work at to help build up your capacity to grow your resilience. You can choose to engage in things that are going to help you to do that. 
So movement and meditation and practice, you can decide ahead of time what you want to do, how long you want to do them, when you want to do them. We also want to be trying to see everything through a choice lens cognitively. Now, if you remember, your body influences your mind and your mind influences your body. It's bi-directional. It's a two-way street. So it can be really helpful to put on what I call a choice lens mindset. Now, a choice lens is the idea of believing and understanding that there are no real demands on you in this world, only choices. My mentor, Dr. Eric Gentry, likes to say that children have demands, adults have choices. There really are no demands on you if you are an adult. If you're a child, yes, you are often under somebody else's control. You don't necessarily have that full agency. People are taking care of you. You're kind of at their mercy. But when you are an adult, you don't have those same demands. Now, we may perceive that we have these demands. We may perceive that the cause of all the stressors or the cause of all the stress in our life is something that's external, that it's due to demands on us. But one of the biggest and best mindset shifts we can make is to shift from believing that everything is a demand to everything is a choice. Now, obviously, there are things to be done in life, but everything we do is a choice. We can drop the have to, the should do, and we can switch it to get to, could do, because essentially you have the final say on whether you do things or not. Now, I know when I share this, a lot of people push back and say, well, there could be consequences if I don't do this or don't do that. Yeah, and that may be true. And you're going to have to do that analysis. What are the outcomes if I decide to do this versus decide to not do that? What happens if I don't pay my mortgage? What happens if I don't buy groceries? These are things that we have a choice to do, but no, we don't have the choice of all the consequences. But we do get to decide how we want to do things. This is where we learn to prioritize, but we do it from a place of choice. We empower ourselves with choice rather than turning ourselves into the victims of the environment because that never feels good. So I really encourage you to change your language, to shift your mindset. Everything you do is a choice because when you have choice, it allows your nervous system to anchor in safety. Now, lastly is connection. I like to divide connection up into four areas. We need to feel connection in multiple areas, connection to ourselves, connection to others, which could include our pets, our furry friends, connection to nature and the world around us, and connection to spirit or a higher power, a higher purpose. When we feel disconnected in any of these areas, we actually can have challenges being anchored in safety and regulation. So connection is really important. Now, I did a whole podcast on connection back on episode 72, so a while ago. So I encourage you to go back and listen. But essentially, let's look at the different types of connection. Connection with others is so important, and I divide it into self-confidence, being able to self-validate, being able to practice self-compassion, and as well, good self-care. And incidentally, I have individual episodes on each of these topics that you may want to go back and have a listen to. Now, all of these things can help us feel anchored. And I love how Brene Brown, she talks about belonging to yourself. 
that sometimes we may feel like we don't belong in a group or an environment or even within our own family or our own circle. But the most important thing is that we belong to ourselves. I can always belong when I am accepting me. The next source of connection is with others. And Brené Brown also talks about that. She defines connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. Because as humans, we really truly are wired for connection. We want to be included as being part of like our tribal group or a tribal species. And Brene Brown says that's one of the reasons why disconnection is so painful for us and why chronic disconnection can lead to social isolation and loneliness and feelings of powerlessness because it is in our neurobiology to connect. It's imperative that we connect. Now, Deb Dana, again, who is well-versed in polyvagal theory, she talks all about connection and she says, we are wired for connection. We're constantly on a quest to feel safe in our bodies, in our environments, and in our relationships. And she links connection with co-regulation. And we've talked a bit about co-regulation on the podcast before. Co-regulation is what is called the biological imperative, meaning we cannot survive without it. And co-regulation is the process whereby one nervous system calms another nervous system, and it produces a feedback loop that is soothing for both. So it's kind of like, how does my nervous system communicate with your nervous system? And can we feed off of each other's support to feel safe, secure, and to get to a place of resilience and calm? Because without connections, we will have difficulty regulating our emotions, we'll experience less self-esteem, and we will struggle to create lasting, healthy relationships. So to meet our needs for connection, what I love that Deb Dana shares, and she shares this in her book, Anchored, it's not necessary to have relationships that are always in balance. We require relationships that are reciprocal. In fact, we build resilience in relationships when we feel connected with people, and then we experience a rupture, and then we find our way back to repair. And it's only when the rupture happens without repair that our longing for connection will bring suffering. So it's really the cycle of reciprocity, rupture, and repair that is the nature of a healthy relationship. So connection is considered a key ingredient that enables our resilience. Other people do matter. We need to have relationships. We need each other. We need to co-regulate with each other. We need each other to help us feel anchored. Then there's connection to the world, connection to nature. Research has shown that nature can be a powerful regulator. I talked all about nature on episode 79. Being near water can be also a powerful regulator. When we spend time in nature, we often slow things down. Nature is also a place where we often experience feelings of awe. And you can go back and re-listen to my episode on awe, which was episode 137, because that is also a powerful regulator. So connecting to the world around us, connecting to nature. And then lastly, there's a connection to a spirit or higher power or purpose. Sometimes they're one and the same. Again, I I draw from the experience of Viktor Frankl in his very famous book, Man's Search for Meaning. He wrote about his experience in a concentration camp. And the book really focused on a lot of his thoughts about meaning and resilience and the importance of embracing life, even in the face of great adversity. 
And in the book, he shared Friedrich Nietzsche's words, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. Now, what Frankel noted is that when people had a clear purpose, they fared better. He said that the most fundamental threat to a person's future self is the loss, is not the loss of freedom, but the absence of purpose and meaning. Very powerful stuff. Now, most people have found that they can tolerate suffering and adversity better if they do understand the why. It's not knowing the why that can be suffering in itself. So finding meaning in life is often cited as the main element in promoting happiness. But I do think we need to be careful again with the language. And I would offer, we need to switch it up. Instead of finding meaning, we need to change it to create meaning or make meaning. Now, back in the fall, I recorded two episodes with my daughter-in-law, Rachel. They were episodes 144 and 145. So you can go back and listen to that. She shared how she tragically lost her brother to suicide in the summer. Now, we have had many conversations about finding meaning. And really what I've offered to her is not to bother trying to find meaning. There are many things in life that just happen, that there's no hidden source of meaning. And that can be really upsetting for people to be told you need to find the meaning in something that's difficult and senseless. Instead, what I've offered to her is create the meaning. What can you do with your own pain? How can it become something meaningful to you and maybe to honor your brother who died? And she's doing that. She did that by just coming on the podcast, by sharing her story, by advocating for mental health. Creating meaning can help nourish that connection. And for many, there's also a connection with the higher power. Whoever and whatever your higher power is, your faith can be tremendously regulating. It can certainly help you anchor into safety. I personally am Christian, and I think of the greatest example of regulation to me is Christ. So much about becoming more Christ-like is learning and practicing all the traits that are found in our zone of resilience. Building relationship with Christ can serve as an anchor when life gets stormy. And maybe for you, it's the universe or source is what people often say. What is the source of your higher power and nourishing that relationship to them? So overall, we have these three elements in order for us to anchor in safety. To nourish and befriend our nervous system, we require these three things. Context makes a difference. Choice also matters. Reframing things, giving yourself options, owning your choices, 100% responsibility. I did a podcast on that ages ago, but owning your choices and your decisions. Making space between stimulus and response to exercise that choice. And then lastly, the connection to yourself, to others, to nature and the world around you, to your higher power or source. I hope that you found it helpful. I hope that gives you a little bit of direction of things that you can do to continue to learn about your nervous system, to anchor yourself in safety and regulation. Have a great week, everybody, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter 
Looking forward to connecting.